What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill. It's going to be myself, Nick, and I am joined by David and Dom this week. We had a, a ton of, uh, I would say, I don't know, upsets, but some teams lost that we thought maybe they weren't going to lose, and then some teams won that we But we are going to go over our first down segment right now. And of course, as always, we're going to kind of go over what we took from this last week in the NFL. So I'll let David start it off, and then Dom will go, and I will finish off the segment. Well, I think this entire takeaway from this past week was both a surprise and kind of a disappointment in the sense that I don't think many people were expecting the Minnesota Vikings to beat the Seattle Seahawks, whereas on the flip side of that coin, they were very disappointed when the Seahawks lost. I would say that was probably the take biggest takeaway from that was, like you said before, teams were winning that shouldn't have won, really. And people, teams got screwed sometimes on calls. Yeah. What do you think, Dom? So it's hard to pick one takeaway just because this week was kind of crazy. I think my biggest takeaway is I think the Steelers wasted a first-round pick on Najee Harris. That's not me discrediting his talent because he he is talented and I do think that he will be a good running back for them down the road. But that offensive line looks it, it looks bad, and I, I think Ben looks washed. But I, yeah, my biggest takeaway is just how bad the Steelers' offensive line is. And even though they have some players on that offense that are talented individually, it just doesn't look like they fit well together as a entire unit um so i knew that was going to be the problem going into the season but they're even looking worse than i thought that they would yeah i'd have to agree with you on that sense uh not again not to take away from the talent Najee harris at all but yeah they they had a lot more issues to address than a running back no granted running back was a need for them because they didn't really have a running back on the roster anyways but you could have, you know, Ladanian Tomlinson out there. And if you have, you know, a garbage offensive line, I don't care who you are, you're not going to be as successful as you would be if you're running behind even an average offensive line, let alone, you know, a bad offensive line. That was my big takeaway, too. I mean, I, I called it last week. I, I knew they were going to lose this game. This is a it's a typical game that they drop. They, they beat teams that they, they shouldn't beat you know, when they're not really looking like they're that good of a team and then they lose the teams that they shouldn't lose. But I don't I don't think they should regret taking Najee Harris in the first round. I think they should regret taking Pat Firemuth in the second round. I don't know why they took a tight end in the second round when there's plenty of tight ends in free agency that they could have gotten because in the second round, there were still plenty of good starting caliber linemen that were sitting there that they could have taken. And yeah, even even if they didn't start right off the bat, it would have been a good like, depth kind of thing and then part of the way through the season they they could have uh could have started but I mean yeah I, I don't know I, I like Najee Harris I think that was a pick for the future he's really good out of the backfield catching um and he's still he's still breaking out some big runs even though the offensive line is is uh you know crap for <laughs> for better word use but no I, I don't know that's just that's a team that I think unfortunately like I was kind of hoping with the changes that they made at the offensive line position, bringing in some different guys, kind of going in a different direction, changing that offense up to be more of a, um, I wouldn't say West Coast, but but more of a, a short pass kind of slant kind of offense. 
um, that that would help out, but it just doesn't seem like it is. It looks like Ben's shoulder is still messed up. Elbow shoulder is still messed up from a couple of years ago. So I just don't know if he's really the same player um, that he was before he got hurt. So I think that they're kind of just yeah. holding on to him because they owe him so much money or they're just hoping that they can get one little last drop out of him like the Giants did with Eli. But I mean, if he's if he's not right in the I just don't understand why you put him out there. You know what I mean? If, because he's still the best quarterback on the roster. Yeah, but but is he? If he can. As bad as bad as he's been, he's still better than, you know, Dwayne Haskins and he's still better than Mason Rudolph. I mean, he's definitely better than Dwayne Haskins at the moment because Dwayne still, for whatever, can't get his head right. I don't know. But I mean, Mason Rudolph didn't look awful in the preseason. I know it's the preseason, but yeah. I don't know. It's he wasn't going up against ones. It's one of those things that I'll say this. If I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm either going to trot a Big Ben who's at 50% out on the field or I could just sit him for three weeks. Hopefully he gets right and trot Mason Rudolph out there. And what Mason Rudolph is pretty much 50% of big Ben anyway. Cause I mean, it's like, what are you going to, you're not going to win. I, I don't know. I, we could talk about it all day, but that's, that's pretty much what I took from that was that I think the, I think they're done. I think either they go into rebuild mode at this point, start shipping some guys off, trying to get some picks. I don't know, cutting some cap, doing something. You know what I mean? Because they yeah they got a long road ahead of them because I think they thought they could piece it together and make another run for the playoffs this year. But I don't know. I, I also think, you know, like Greg said, that Cincinnati and Minnesota were just two bad teams in week one and Cincinnati won that game. But I don't know if Cincinnati or Minnesota are as bad as everybody thinks they are. Like Cincinnati's offense is pretty legit. Like Jamar Chase is as legit as he is supposed to be. Joe Burrow is still good. You know what I mean? Obviously, they have their offensive line issues like pretty much every other team in the NFL does at this point. There's really not that many good, like really good offensive linemen. And if there is, they're all spread out. Nobody has all of them anymore. And the Minnesota Vikings are they're still a decent team. I mean, they've what they're two and one now. So are the Bengals. So, I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, I think that, that those are those are some teams to watch out for. But kind of move on to second down. So the first topic in second down that we're going to go over is a player to watch out for for this week. So again, it can be anyone in the NFL or college, anybody within the football world. So Dom, we'll start with you. Um, it's hard for me to pick just one player. So I'm going to go with two. Uh, my players that I want to watch out for this week are Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. The The first three games of the, of the season have been really rough for both of them. Um, you know, especially with Trevor Lawrence, he's never really had to face adversity throughout high school, college. So this is the first time that he's really being tested um, as a quarterback. And I, I want to see how they respond to it because this is probably the, the most pressure that they've ever had um, in their, in their football careers and, you know, how they respond to, you know, the pressure, especially not getting off to a good start is really going to set the tone for them. Maybe for the, well, definitely for the rest of the season, but maybe for their careers going forward. So I just want to see how they respond to not getting off to a good start. Yeah. I mean, you saw, and they've all pretty much struggled at this point. Like Mac Jones had a bad week this past week. I mean, obviously his first two weeks were pretty decent, but this past week he threw three interceptions. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are just turnover machines. I just don't know if they understand how to play in the NFL or maybe just, 
I don't know, they peaked in college. I, I don't know. I, it could be a lot of different things. Obviously, we kind of see Sam Donald on Carolina, and he's actually doing pretty well. So it could just be circumstance. And then Justin Fields just got lit up by the Browns. I don't really know. Yeah, he got absolutely fault, wrecked. But but he got lit up. I mean, that, that Bears offensive line might be the worst offensive in the NFL. And he just got – I what was it? It was – nine sacks he had more he was sacked more times than he had completions i mean that's how yeah. much he got lit up well he like, clearly controlled him to like what was it 40 like almost 50 yards of offense or something like that yeah four, 47 yards of offense but he clearly was not ready to start and at the beginning before the season started matt nagy said that justin fields is not ready well two weeks later he's still not going to be ready so why would you trot him out there when you, when you have you you have someone like Nick Foles who yes it's Nick Foles he's not an all world quarterback but he is a veteran that's that's proven that he can win in the league you know there's, why- there's no there, there's no way that Nick Foles is getting out of there any different of a game I mean he might make one or two more completions but you're talking about is it he'll is give it really you at least he'll or give is you at least some bad around him like there's, there's, yeah there's, it's a bad team but he'd at least give you competent quarterback play. Justin Fields looked completely you, lost, and he looked when you're, when you're sacked nine times and you're rushed on every, you're you're pressured on every other play almost. Like he was literally he would have had every single play. They would have had more than forty-seven yards of offense if Nick Foles was the quarterback. Nick because, Foles is yes. a statue. He's a statue. At least Justin Fields can move in the pocket. That's why I don't. But I, at least he knows how to read an NFL defense, and he knows how to be an NFL quarterback. Justin Fields was clearly not ready, and he clearly was not prepared for that game. That, that's not to say that he's he's a bad talent. He just is not ready to be an NFL quarterback yet. It's it, it's only been three weeks. He's still a rookie. It would not matter you know? if he trotted out freaking Peyton Manning behind center. He would have gotten lit up, and they would have produced the same, almost the same amount. He might have completed like four or five more passes, but that's it. It still would have been no, I'm not quarterback play. It has, it has I'm, not, nothing, I'm not saying it has I'm not saying that they would have not being prepared. It has everything to do with that Bears offense being like not great. And that offensive line being probably, like I said, one of the worst offensive lines in the either either. Yeah, it, it's Steelers a bad offensive line right before the Steelers, whatever it might be. But they're one of the worst offensive lines. in the league. You can't. Yeah. You can't tell me that he's pressured on almost every single play and he's sacked nine times. And that's his fault. Like he's not ready. That makes no, zero I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm not saying it's his fault, and I'm not he's saying that he's going to be a bad quarterback. Ready. I'm just, I'm just saying that after three weeks, he's still not ready to be an NFL quarterback yet. How's, and how's he, he's Matt not- Nagy, Matt Nagy, hold on, Matt Nagy even said that he wasn't ready before the season. Three weeks into the season, he's still not going to be ready yet. You know, well, Nick Foles. Yes, yeah, I know it's Matt Nick Nagy. Foles. He's not. Hmm? It's it it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to say that he's not ready when like we didn't even get to see him perform like in a way where he was incapable of being successful like they didn't set him up to be successful at all that's that's what I'm saying like I don't think it's fair to say that he's not ready when he was put in a situation where no. he was going to fail. No, Matt Nagy said that before the season even started. Matt Nagy said that he's not ready to be the starting quarterback yet. That was before that, the season that's started. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't think you – like, you keep saying the same thing, and I'm telling you the same thing back. It makes zero sense to say that he's not ready, but he was put in a situation where he was going to fail 10 out of 10 times. That makes zero sense. How is he not 
How was well, he not ready? How was that why, his fault? Why would you put your rookie quarterback that you're you're hoping is going to be the, the future of your franchise? Why would you put him in a situation where you know he's going to fail? Because when you can just try Nick Foles out there, you're not going to – quarterback on your he, he wasn't going to win you the game, but why would you put your rookie quarterback in that situation anyways? Because, because he's your best quarterback on the roster, and they knew that if they put Nick Foles out there, Nick Foles is getting sacked 11 times because he can't get away from pressure. Like, like it doesn't – you put Andy Dalton out there, he's going to get sacked 11 times. I mean, that Browns pass rush, Mike, Miles Garrett, if you, if you can't block him, he's going to get five sacks every single time. Like, that's how it goes. Yeah. You, 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 they couldn't block him. He was literally like a turnstile. Like, I don't know. <laughs> No, I, I just don't think that I, – I, I don't think you put your – someone that you think is going to be your future, you know, quarterback that's, that's a rookie in a situation where you know they're going to fail. But Yeah, but that's that's a lot different than saying. I mean, it, it looked like he was not ready to play. Granted, I know the, the pass rush was, was impressive for the Browns last week, and I know the offensive line looked like garbage for the Bears, but I don't know. It, it looked like he didn't even know what the offense was doing. Or he didn't even – I don't know. He just looked lost out there. Who's uh who's your one person to watch out for, Dave? All right. So I'm gonna say Russell Wilson on this, but I also want to include the entire Seattle Seahawks offense and defense on this one. And the reason why I say that is because I think that they're I think they're a good team. And they lost to, as I said earlier, the Minnesota Vikings, who were also beaten by the Cincinnati Bengals at the start of the season. I would like to see them do much better this week and actually seem like they can compete in a game because I forget the score, but it was like a significant amount that they lost by. Yeah, he, her cousins kind of lit up. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they, they, they got to win games because that division is probably one of the best divisions. So Yeah. yeah. You lose very many, especially when you have, you know, San Francisco. And the Cardinals, who are all winning games, especially, you know, the Rams, Tampa. And I know San Francisco lost to Green Bay, but I think that was their first loss. So, yeah, you can't you can't really drop games in that division. No, not really. I actually am going to go with – I'm going to – I want to watch out for the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Only because, like, week one wasn't, like, a great week for him when they played Cincinnati, but he didn't have a bad – he didn't have a bad week. I don't think he – I don't think he turned the ball over. I can't remember. No, he didn't. He hasn't had a bad first. He hasn't had a bad first three weeks of the season. So I, I just – he hasn't really been like a consistent kind of guy at the quarterback position. He usually has his highs and he has his lows. But I'm super interested to see if he kind of continues to be consistently good and consistently putting, you know, the Vikings in a in a position to win games. Because if he can do that, then that's, that's a pretty solid playoff team going forward. So he's kind of – He's kind of the player that I want to watch this week and see if he can kind of continue being good, you know, just, just being consistent. I think that's, that's a good thing for him and just proving to everybody that he can be, you know, like I said, a, a consistent, good quarterback within the league. Moving on to our next two topics in second down, I'll kind of combine these into the same conversation here. So obviously college football over the past I would say since 2016, we've kind of had the same rotation of like four or five teams that have kind of been, or maybe six, that have been in and out of the, you know, college football playoffs. We've had like had Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Georgia, Oklahoma, 
Um, you had Oregon the one year, the first year, I believe. So, but the the consistent, the consistent like four or five um, were the first five that I said. But it, this year, it just kind of seems like a few of those teams, um, like Clemson, Ohio State, that just haven't really, you know, looked much better than the rest of the teams they're playing, especially since Clemson has two losses now on the season. Obviously, the one to Georgia, and then they lost to uh, NC State this past weekend. So, you know, Alabama is still looking as dominant <laughs> as ever. Um, but I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on if, like, you know, teams like Clemson and Ohio State, if their dominance is over or are they just kind of having an off year? And if their dominance is over, who takes their place? And what do you think of Alabama? And do you think that they'll ever slow down? Or do you think they'll just always be on the top? We'll start with Dave. Uh, in regards to Clemson, Ohio State, for Ohio State, I, I want to say it's just an off year. They're, I think they're trying to figure things out, and mainly because it's, it's Ohio State. They're one of the best programs pretty much in the, in the north, pretty much. And then in the south, you've got Alabama, who's one of the best programs of all time. So I think for Ohio State, it's just like them trying to figure things out because I think that the team that we saw from the last few years was still, in a sense, the team that Urban Meyer kind of left off with. And the head coach was still familiar with the team and the players. And this was, I guess you could argue, his, true, his first true full recruitment team that wasn't heavily involved with Urban Meyer to some degree. And with Clemson, I don't really know. I didn't follow Clemson all that much outside of when they would play with, uh, with Trevor Lawrence and stuff like that. So honestly, I have no idea. And I wouldn't know who would take over for them. In regards to Alabama, like I said before, they're one of the most dominant programs in the country. And I don't think they'll ever slow down. If they do, I think it's because Nick Saban has retired and is no longer coaching. And they've done this for so long because of Nick Saban. Uh, so because of him, they wouldn't be where they are. Yeah, it took him a few years to finally get that program where it is now, or at least to start it to where it is now. But because of him, they are where they are. So that's where I stand on that. Okay. What do you think, Tom? I think the Ohio State and Clemson, their their reigns aren't over. Um, they these teams had a lot of turnover this last offseason. They're they're young teams. Um, I think CJ Stroud, he's what, a 19-year-old redshirt freshman starting for Ohio State. You know, the the last couple of years they've had, you know, some of the top recruiting classes in the country. So the talents there, they're just super young. Um, so I, I think going forward. You know, these they're still going to be Ohio State. Um, Clemson's a little bit having having a little bit rougher of a season than Ohio State is, but you know, both of these teams, you know, at most they'll lose two to three games this season, which I mean, most other college programs would have killed to lose only two or three games. But I, I think going forward, you know, Ohio State's still going to be Ohio State. Clemson's still going to be a good program. It's just you know they had a, a retool a little bit because they had you know a lot of people graduate, a lot of people. Um, 
know, forego their senior year going to the draft, which, you know, is always going to happen. But big programs like Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, they, you know, they always just retool. You know, they're, you know, always going to have a top five recruiting class. You know, going forward, I think they're going to be fine. You know, C.J. Stroud is going to, he's already looked pretty good. It's just Ohio State's defense has looked pretty bad. But again, it's just because they're young. You know, the, the more that they play, they'll figure it out. In the long run, I think both these programs are going to be fine. Um, going to Alabama, they're never going to slow down. I mean, you look at what Nick Saban has built there. I mean, it's such an institution now, and they could, they'll always attract the best players because they know even if they're a backup at Alabama, they're still probably going to go pro. You know, they're always going to get the best recruits, even once Nick Saban retires. They're going to. Re- be able to replace them with whoever the best college coach is available. So I, they're not going to go away anytime soon. I mean, they're, I mean, like I said earlier, they're, they're an establishment. They're not, they're not going anywhere. You know, they might have a down year and lose three games, but they'll, they'll always be probably the top program in the country. Yeah. I mean, I, I think on this one, I agree with you guys a lot. I think Clemson, we've seen them do this before. So they had Deshaun Watson and they were pretty dominant. He left for the NFL. They kind of fell off, not like not like they weren't, you know, playing good football, but they just weren't as dominant as they were with him. And then, you know, they moved on to Trevor Lawrence. And for, you know, three years, they were probably one of the most dominant teams within college football other than Alabama. And now that they've moved on, they're just trying to find that next big player at the the quarterback position. So I think that right now they're just trying to figure that out. And like you said, you know, they're going to keep recruiting top 10 classes and they'll continue to be to be pretty good. I don't, I don't see Dabo allowing them to kind of slip like that, especially in in that conference. There's no way that they're going to have seasons like this every single year, though. They'll, they'll bounce back as of Ohio State. I, I've had my opinions on this over on our, you know, our other show, Ohio verse, just about how you know, like David said, this is now pretty much Ryan Day's team. There's still a couple guys left that Urban Meyer probably had a hand in in recruiting, but for the most part, these are his guys. And I'm interested to see what it looks like going forward because I'm worried that he's going to NFL with it and he's scouting and recruiting for scheme fit instead of just best talent. And I just think that's how you become most successful as a college program. Like Nick Saban doesn't care if you fit a scheme, he'll fit the scheme around you because you're the most talented player that same with Clemson, same with Georgia, you know, same with Oklahoma or any of these other big programs around the country. And I'm just afraid that he's kind of scouted to scheme fit instead of scouted best talent. And that's what we're getting right. I don't know if like CJ Stroud is the best talented quarterback that he could have gotten but I think he's like the best scheme fit quarterback that he could have gotten. Now, I don't know about the other three guys, but they kind of seem to fit that same kind of mold. Obviously we haven't um, been able to see Quinn Ewers yet. He's kind of one of the top rated quarterbacks within the league, but I don't think we'll see him for a couple of years, if not until next year. So that's what I'm kind of looking at with Ohio state over the next couple of years. And if that's the case, I don't know if their dominance is going to be able to continue. I think in the big 10, their dominance will continue. I don't really see them, you know, being knocked off the Big Ten, but like on the big stage in the playoffs, I can see them continuing to get steamrolled like they did, you know, last year against Alabama. And then, yeah, Alabama's not going anywhere. 
I think once Nick Saban leaves, they'll have maybe a down year or two, but they'll find somebody to replace them. Like you said, Dom, that's that's just a an NFL <laughs> training ground. So people right, they're, they're they're like a factory. Yeah. So all they produce is NFL first round picks. Because I'm I'm sure that they walk into somebody's, you know, these these people's living room living rooms and they look at the families and, and the player that they're trying to recruit and they're they're just like, you're not gonna play until you're second year and really that second year you're not going to play that much you're probably going to be a backup role and then your third year you're going to start and then as long as you put in the work you'll start and then you'll probably be a a top four round draft pick you know what I mean like but it's up to you so and I just that that that's just what they do (laughs) but any any other comments on this you know these couple topics that you guys have or you ready to move on yeah, I think we cover pretty much everything. Yeah, I think I covered what I wanted to cover, so I'm good. Heck yeah. We're going to move on to third down now. And the first topic in third down, we are going to recap the game of the week for last week. And that is going. So we'll go ahead and start with Dom. What do you think about the game? That was one hell of a game. Um, I was really impressed with both teams. Um, obviously, Green Bay was able to close it out, but. Like I said, both teams look good. Aaron Rodgers, you know, looked like Aaron Rodgers that we all know. Um, we kind of knew that he wasn't going to stay as bad as he was in week one. Um, but I, I was I was impressed more so with the Packers defense. Um, they looked solid. Uh, I know I, I had a couple question marks about their defense, but they stepped up. They held the 49ers to what, what, was, to what 16 points or something like that. Um, yeah, it, it was just a solid solid game you know there's there's really not much else to really say about it but I, I think the Packers could be you know a force to be reckoned with going forward okay what do you think David honestly I didn't really pay that much attention to the game however it it's finally good to see Aaron Rodgers be the Aaron Rodgers everyone knows and it's good to see that he had basically addressed what Dom basically covered in the last episode that I was in, which was not last one, but the one before. So that is pretty much all from me, at least for right now. Okay. I mean, after week one, everyone thought, you know, the sky was falling and Aaron Rodgers was, was washed up and done, but you know, God forbid, you know, a quarterback has a bad game. You know, we, we act like these top athletes aren't allowed to have one bad game. And if they do, we just, you know, think the sky is falling, their careers over. You know, if you look at how Aaron's played the last couple of weeks. You know, he's still Aaron Rodgers. He's won the MVP last season. You know, he doesn't just forget how to be quarterback in one offseason. So I, I think, you know, some of the reaction to, to week one was, you know, maybe a little overhyped. At the end of the day, he's still Aaron Rodgers. He's still going to be in the MVP conversation for the rest of the season. But- and also, I remember, I forget when this happened, but I remember hearing from somewhere, but it was like a bad game for Aaron Rodgers would be an excellent game for just pretty much anyone else. Yeah. He's just that good. Anybody who said he was washed after week one, I don't think because he's not washed he did that shit on purpose he went out there and played like hot garbage on purpose because he wanted to send the order this is what you're going to get when i'm gone and i hope you enjoy it 
I mean, I, sounds like a that, conspiracy theory, Nick. I, I, he, he's a professional athlete. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he'd go out there and throw a game on purpose. If you if you wanted the organization to get the message of what he what the organization would be like without him, he would have faked an injury or been injured or not showed up for the game, and they would have had to try out Jordan Love out there because that that dude unless, unless the they sign lines, someone or they draft someone in the, in the first round, that's who their quarterback's going to be. He looked he looked more disinterested in being in that game than you did in math class in college, Doc. Like, he literally did not want to be there. He did not want to play for them. He did not want to do that. He could care less that he was playing like that. He didn't care. He was having fun, drawing it up, looked disinterested in doing any kind of game plan. Like, that's that's not that's, – that's not a – he didn't – he doesn't do those kinds of things. That's what I'm saying. Like, like David said, a bad week for Aaron Rodgers – is an amazing week for other quarterbacks. So what whatever that was week one wasn't a bad week. If that if that was actually him playing, like that was actually him giving 100% in that game, then that's that's crazy because there's there's no way that he plays like that ever. He's never played like that. So this it just doesn't make any sense to me that he went out there and gave 100% in that game. Did he like purposely throw the game? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say that. But at the end of the day, there's no way that he went out there and gave 100% in that game. There's no way. Because if he gave 100% in that game, he's not putting together that performance. So, like, I just don't see how people are like he's washed up. Because it just, when you looked at him sitting on the sidelines, he just did not care. He didn't give a shit. So, I don't know. But on this game, I saw two things. Like you said, Green Bay is going to be a force to be reckoned with within the playoffs. And... I think Jimmy Garoppolo is showing like when he's healthy, he can be a top, a top 15 quarterback in the league, if not almost top 10 quarterback in the league. So he can hang, he can hang with the big guys. He just, again, he kind of shows that he just can't, you know, make the one throw that he needs to put the game away. And he just needs to get that, you know, under control. And then he can be kind of known as, as one of those guys that, that uh, we can call maybe top 10, top 12 in the league. But he's he's playing pretty well this season. And I know he he knows that he's got a dude chirping on his, hill, his heels and he doesn't want to give up that starting job quite yet. So, because he knows this team is, is a Super Bowl caliber team. So it'd be interesting to watch, you know, San Francisco going forward, Green Bay going forward, because I think that could be a playoff matchup that we see again. Again, that just kind of depends on how that, that division shakes out between <laughs> San Fran, Arizona, Los Angeles. That's a crazy division. But move on to the final topic in third down. I just kind of wanted to get what your guys is, you know, I just wanted to get what your guys' thoughts are or predictions on what the championship games would look like. And so the AFC championship and the NFC championship. So who you think would be the final four kind of going into those championships? Dom, we'll start with you. Oh man, that's that's a tough question. Uh, I think right now, I think the AFC Championship game would be probably Chiefs and Browns. Um, I know that the Chiefs sitting at one and two right now. I think they're just off to a slow start. They'll figure it out. Um, the Browns have looked really good so far this season. Their defense may be starting to figure things out. I think they're dangerous going forward, especially you know as they get healthier and they get Jarvis back. Um, I think they're going to be a, a team that's going to be hard to beat in the playoffs. 
So I'm, I'm going to say Chiefs, Browns, and the AFC. Oh, man, then the NFC, that's tough. I still think it's going to be, I want to say Rams. I think it's going to be Rams and Packers in the NFC Championship game. You know, okay. to, to me, Tampa, I know they coming off the Super Bowl, Tom Brady's off to a good start, but that defense just hasn't looked as dominant as it was last year. Uh, I think I think Aaron Rodgers is going to – I think he's going to play a little bit better this year in the playoffs. I think it's going to be it's going to be Packers and Rams in the NFC. Okay. What do you think, David? For me, I'll agree with Dom in the sense for the Rams. However, it goes back to our podcast episode we did on the Super Bowl. I forget which whether it was pregame or a postgame or whatever. We mentioned you don't bet against Tom Brady until proven differently. So I'm going to go say Tampa Bay for right now, unless I see something completely different that gives me another reason not to doubt Tom Brady and his willingness to motivate his team, whether you're on the offense or defense. In terms of the AFC, I'll agree with Dom in the sense for the Browns. However, I'm between either the Raiders or Mm. Kansas City. Like Dom said, I think they're just off to a slow start. But then again, their offensive line, no matter how good Patrick Mahomes is, it goes back to kind of like our Pittsburgh Steelers, Chicago Bears discussion that we had earlier in the episode. If you don't have a decent or solid offensive line, and the defense is just going to get through, regardless of whether or not you hit the quarterback or not, at some point, the quarterback is going to get tired. So as long as that offensive line remains to be kind of Swiss cheese, that Swiss cheese, there we go. <laughs> um, I would have to say Raiders Browns on that one. Okay. Interesting. I, you know what? I'm going to agree with you on the NFC. I think it's going to be Rams and Buccaneers because Matthew Stafford is that dude. Um, <laughs> and he's not, he's not going to slow down. I mean, that's, and, and he's him finally and, got uh, a team to go around him. He's got, right. Yeah. That's the guy it, literally was a, decent quarterback at Detroit and that that offense was never really there for him yeah outside of like when he had Calvin Johnson but that was about it yeah I, I was worried about the health stuff but I just think he just got banged up too much because of you know they just didn't put a good enough team around him there in Detroit but I, I do think I do think we're looking at a Rams Buccaneers you know NFC championship game now on the AFC side I will agree with you right now. I'm looking at the Browns to be there. Um, but I think that they're going to play the Bills. I think it'll be Browns, Bills. But I do agree with David that I like I like the Raiders. But I also like, I don't know. I, I, I think that, that it, the Raiders is a good like close second. But I just think that the Bills are, are just too much better <laughs> than the Raiders. So yeah. I, think it'll be, I think it'll be Bills, Browns. But just That's assuming off, that the like, Kansas City Chiefs offensive line doesn't get their act together. And, and to kind of go off of that, David, like when you look at their schedule, they're sitting at two and one and they kind of barely beat the Browns. No, so they're Kansas City's at one and two at the moment. Sorry, yeah, one and two. 
But they play the Eagles next, so that's probably a win. But then they play the Bills. That could be a loss. They play Washington. That's probably a win. But then they got to play the Titans. That's not a bad team. And their defense, they can kind of get to the quarterback. And that offensive line is not great. Then they play the Giants. So that's probably a win. So you kind of look over that, that stretch. They might be 500. But then they go Packers, Raiders, Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers. That's going to be a tough stretch because all those teams are looking pretty nice. Like even the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater, they're looking like a pretty decent team. And you can't be dropping a whole lot of games in that division because the Raiders and the Broncos, they're winning. Like they're winning games. And so are the I mean, the, the Broncos are, are looking good, but look at who they play. The, they've won three games, and the three teams that they beat have a combined record of 0 and 11. So <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, they, they look good, but I want to see how they look against, you know, average teams, let alone, you and know, the garbage of the NFL. And, and that's that's fair. I'll, I'll give that to you. And maybe we'll see over the next three weeks kind of what they look like. But I, I, I don't know. At least, at least them having to play the Raiders twice in that stretch and the Packers and the Cowboys. Like that's that's gonna be tough. And then they gotta play the, the Chargers again. And this time I believe they gotta play the Chargers in Los Angeles. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, to finish out the season, they have a little bit better of a schedule because they go Steelers, Bengals, and then Broncos. So I mean those that's probably two wins right there. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, I I could I could see the Chiefs only getting like maybe nine or ten wins a season. They just their defense is very below average, you know, other than Matthew and that offensive line is just not not holding up the way I think they wanted to because they got like three rookies starting. So I don't know. But yeah, so what Dom Dom, you have Green Bay Rams is your final two on the NFC. Yep. And David, you have Rams Tampa Bay. I have Rams Tampa Bay. And then we all have the Browns on the other side, but three different opponents. Dom's got the Chiefs. David's got the Raiders, and I have the Bills. So I have to remember that. I think in the next three weeks, about week six, we should try to do this again, see where we're at, see if we've changed, and see maybe if we've stayed the same, see if some of these teams that we like or we still like. Uh But to move into fourth down, just want to quickly go over the game of the week, and that is going to be Tampa Bay versus New England. I kind of picked this game only because it's Tom Brady's homecoming. So I guess I wanted just to get you guys' opinion on who's under more pressure in this situation. Is it Tom Brady? Is it Mac Jones? Is it Bill Belichick? Is it nobody? What do you guys think? David, we'll start with you. For me, I'd say Bill Belichick more than anything because it, yes, he has seven or however many Super Bowls under his belt, but that was all with. Tom Brady and he is now in his second year or just began his second year without Tom Brady and I would love to see how he does up against his former starting QB because to me Tom Brady if Tom Brady didn't win the Super Bowl then I would say it would be a dead even heat in a sense because Tom Brady hadn't yet proved himself outside of New England but he did that for me when he won the Super Bowl last year. So as it sits right now, for me, it's Bill Belichick more than anyone. 
because he needs to prove that he can coach a team without Tom Brady on it. Okay. What's your uh, prediction for who wins this game? I'm going to have to say Tampa Bay on this one. Okay. What you got on uh, who's under more pressure, Dom, and then who do you think is going to win the game? I think none of the pressure, in my opinion, is on Tom Brady. I think he, he proved that he can win without Belichick last year. And I think that was everyone's biggest question with him leaving New England is, you know, was the Patriots, was the success of the Patriots due to Belichick or was it Brady? And I think Brady answered that question last year. So I think, I think the pressure I'm going to agree with David is on Bill Belichick. Mac Jones, he's a rookie. You know, the, the team is good around him. Um, he just has to play competently. So, I mean, there's not too much pressure on him. Yes, if he has a terrible game, we're going to be asking questions about him. But overall, I think I think all the pressure is on Bill. I think Bill either needs to win this game or even if they lose, you know, keep it close. You know, have, have the Buccaneers win on like a last-second field goal or something. But at least show that you could – you know, coach a team that can go up against Tom Brady because he's coached Tom Brady for 20 years, but he's never had to go up against him. So I, I think going forward, you know, all the, all the pressure is going to be on Bill in this game. Okay. And do you think uh, Tampa's going to win? I do just because overall, I think they have a better roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're loaded on offense. You know, they brought back the same defense that won them the Super Bowl last year. And you know, Tom Brady, when he, when he saw the schedule release, you know he circled this game. You know he's been getting ready for this. He always shows up in big moments. You know, he, you know, the bigger the game gets, the better he plays. So I, he's he's going to show up. It's just, is Mac Jones going to be able to keep up with him? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you guys. I, I think Tampa's going to win this game. I, I don't really think it's going to be all that close, only because – I do agree that all the pressure is on Belichick. I mean, all the pressure is pretty much on Belichick until Tom Brady retires. (laughs) But I do think that the unfortunate side effect of all the pressure being on Belichick is that in this game, some of it is going to get passed down to Mac Jones. Whether or not he wants it to, I think it's going to because he's going to feel that. I think he's going to feel the air leave the room when they're kind of going over the game. When he walks into the stadium, and everyone is still cheering for Tom Brady there, I think that he's going to kind of feel like, wow, even though I'm at home, this kind of feels like an away game. And he's going to want to try to keep up, like you said, because he's going to want to be like, yo, like I'm your quarterback now. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that without putting himself in situations to not be so. And I think with that being said, there there is pressure on him. Maybe not so much this season, but there is an expectation of him to perform because, you know, they selected him in the first round to pretty much be the heir apparent to Tom Brady and to fill the, you know, try to fill the shoes or fill the void left behind by Tom Brady leaving. But, you know, I, I don't think the expectations are there for him this season to be, you know, an all pro quarterback. But I do think going you know in the future you know next year and in the years to come I do think there is an expectation of Patriots fans for him to be you know a franchise quarterback but this season I think they just want to see you know growth and for him to you know get incrementally better throughout the season but yeah I I don't think too much pressure is on Mac Jones but 
going forward, it, there definitely will be pressure on it. All righty. Well, we have made it to our final segment of this episode. So as always, we're moving into our two-point conversion. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to give one prediction for this week in football. So what is your one prediction? I think that the Browns defense will perform either as close as well as they did against the Bears or just as good. Okay. I mean, that's that's lofty because nine sacks is – that's a lot of sacks. <laughs> that's, that, that's still a lot. So I'm not necessarily expecting like nine sacks every week from here on out, but I'm expecting them to still get to the quarterback, still do a lot like they did against the Chicago Bears. And that is obviously relative to the team that they're playing against because obviously they played the, the Bears. And we saw how bad that was. So I think it's like, for me, it's all relative to the team in which they're playing, I guess is the the way that I should have phrased it. And to the second portion of this question, did any of my predictions come true from last week? And I wasn't on last week's episode, but I was on the week before in which my take was completely wrong. And that was to kind of remind people of Joe Burrow holding the same standard that he had the week prior against the Minnesota Vikings, and he completely fell on his face. I do think that my prediction from last week came true. Um, yeah, I, I predicted that Matt Stafford would kind of prove to everyone that he is, you know, the top quarterback that we thought that he was, you know, his whole career being spent in Detroit, he was kind of overlooked. Some people thought he was overrated or, you know, not that good of a quarterback. Um, I think the the last three weeks have really shown that he is, you know, when healthy and, you know, firing on all cylinders, he is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And I think he proved that last week. Um, my prediction this week, I think Joe Burrow is going to continue to show that he's fully healthy and that, you know, this Bengals offense, even though they are all very young, this, this team has potential. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, go on a massive run and, you know, fight for a playoff spot this season, but I, I think they've already shown, and I think they will continue to show, especially this week coming up that they're on the right path. And I think, you know, Joe Burrow is going to show that he's, he is the guy. He is the franchise quarterback for this team going forward. Yeah, yeah I like that one. I do. I, I've always hoped for, you know, a lot of success for Joe Burrow because I am as, as a player. And um, I, it hurts to say as a Steelers fan, but like I said, that, that Cincinnati's off, offense looks, looks pretty nice going forward. So if they can, you know, fill those holes on that offensive line and on that defense over the next couple of years, that that could be a Super Bowl contender within three seasons. My prediction last week was that the Steelers were going to get beat by the Bengals, and they did. So enough said on that one. Um, <laughs> that's I I just I felt that one in my bones. I knew that was that was coming. Um, it, it's just that's not, that's it. So we'll move on. <laughs> my prediction for this week is that. I don't know. I, I think his nickname is JOK for the Browns. Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Lisa Cole. Yeah. I think he's going to be the starter now at linebacker. I just don't see how he's not. I mean, I understand he's young and they're still trying to work him in, 
but he played a huge part in that defense being so dominant by the way that he was able to move around the field, cover those linebackers and running backs. And his speed is just, I don't know if we've really seen a linebacker that fast in a while. So I know that they were kind of trying to ease him into it, you know what I mean? But he had to start this past week because they've had, you know, a ton of injuries at the linebacker position, but I just don't think he gives up that, that starting spot anytime soon. So I think, you know, obviously I think they're still dealing with some injuries. So he'll probably still start again next week. But once they start getting some of these guys back, I think he's going to be that starter on that in that linebacking core. And he's going to be a really good anchor going forward. Like that was a good pickup for them. And I I think I've been, you know, listening to uh, James Laurinaitis and stuff. And, and he was pretty high on him coming out of the draft as well. And I just think that that they would kind of be dumb for them to put him back in that uh, rotational kind of role. He needs to be in there on almost every down because of this. So that's my prediction going forward. To end off, we are going to end off with some trivia. Mine is going to be a little bit harder. And no, Dom, there will be no multiple choice. Come on. (laughs) So I am going to read off a statement. You'll have to tell me the year and the team. Make it a little bit harder. The year and the team. Jesus. So the blank. Super Bowl champion blank had a five game stretch in which they did not score a touchdown and their only points were field goals, 14 of them to be exact. The team went two and three in that run in which their offense could not score a touchdown, but only lost one other game all season, setting an NFL record with 165 points allowed and and and. They almost scored as many points in the Super Bowl, which was 34, as they did in that historic five-game stretch, which was 42. Do you need me to read it again? Uh, no, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> Everyone else out there, while the guys are thinking, I'll read it again for you. So the blank Super Bowl champion had a five-game stretch in which they did not score a touchdown, and their only points were field goals, 14 to be exact. The team went two and three in that run where their offense could not score a touchdown, but they only lost one other game all season. They also set an NFL record that season with allowing 165 points, and they scored almost as many points in the Super Bowl as they did in that historic five-game stretch. So 34 points in the Super Bowl and 42 points in that five-game stretch were all they had was 14 so you got to tell me the year and the team can i take a guess sure was it the 85 bears no damn what question okay how recent was it in the past 25 years okay okay was it the oh i can't remember the year i want to say it was like either 02 or 04 the year that the tampa bay buccaneers won the the, cha- the super bowl i think that was 2000 two how about this I'll, I'll give you the year and then see if you can get the team wait can i take one more guess at it sure was it the 2000 ravens yeah the, are, are you serious yeah <laughs> so the nice. 2000 super bowl champion baltimore ravens had a five game stretch in which they did not score a touchdown they only scored field goals by matt stover their kicker 14 in all 
But then after that stretch, they only lost one game. But they did set the NFL record for 165 points allowed. And they did go on to win the Super Bowl where they scored 34 points, which was almost as much as they did in that five-game stretch where they only... (laughs) That was a good guess. That was a good guess. Yeah, that one was... I found that one. I was like, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, they, they didn't need to score touchdowns. They they had a historically good defense. Yeah. You know, the, that 2000 Ravens defense is considered, you know, with the 85 Bears is you know, one of the greatest defenses of all time. Yeah. Yeah, that was. A... I mean, when you're holding opponents to 10 points a game, you don't really need to score that many touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. You just got to have a good field goal kicker. <laughs> right. But hopefully all of you out there did get that one. If you didn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if there's, you know, any kind of facts that you want us to look up and, and put on here, if you guys have any, you know, trivia questions that you want us to uh, ask the guys, let us know. Um, we'll try not to all look at the comments <laughs> and cheat. Or you can go ahead and uh, email it to us and we'll make sure the host of the next episode is the again. Thank you guys for coming on. I know this episode was a little bit longer than normal, but there was a lot to cover from last week and a crazy week it was. But thank you all who are listening. We are so excited to produce all these shows for you and to keep moving forward. And we could not do it without your support. So thank you again. Thank you to the guys. We are Deep Dive Sports. This was Two Minute Drill. Until next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, Feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.